You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. Good morning, Steelers Nation. Welcome in the locker room. It's another electric edition of the locker room. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes in for Tunch and Wolf today as the old fogies enjoy an extra long bye week weekend. And you know, Motesy, normally I come in here screaming and all jacked up and excited. <laughs> and you got the, the DMX up in here, gets me going. And uh-huh. I'm used to saying good afternoon, Steelers Nation. It's, it's been a little bit of a, a reset here. Good morning, Steelers Nation, but I'm digging it. Here in the Electric Factory in the locker room for the next two hours. And the phone lines are open. 412-919-1316. The digits to dial. Listen, if you call in today. Uh-oh. I don't make many promises. I don't make many guarantees on this show, Motsi. You do. <laughs> okay, may, I don't know about promises. Maybe some guarantees. You're that a guarantee, I'm, you know, not a promise. I'm a little bit over a 50% clip on those guarantees. I think I'm hitting, oh, it, like a 50, wow. I think I'm hitting right? it like a 55% clip. But I do promise you, you call in today, anytime in the next two hours here, between 10 a.m. and noon Eastern time, Eastern Standard Time. So right now, not for those of you listening on the replay a few shout, hours shout from now. Shout out to our West Coast people too, man. Yeah, don't, you know, don't call in six or seven hours from now when you're listening to this back in the loop because we won't be here. Greg won't be here. I'm not asking Greg to answer phones that long. All right, 412-919-1316. You call in today and you will get on the show. That's a Euler Emotes guarantee. Guarantee. I got another guarantee for you, Arthur Motes, as we face down the bye week here in Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Which I'm excited about, by the way. Wait, you don't even like bye weeks. I got, like a nice, I got a nice weekend of nothing planned. Oh, I like your and style. I, and I can't wait. I can dig that. The Steelers, history tells us, have been better after the bye week under Coach Tomlin. The arrow points up, if you mm-hmm. will, in that regard. And if you missed it last week, or it was either last week or two weeks ago, we had some numbers on the show about how if you break down Steelers' season into quarters, right, throughout the Tomlin era, so first four games, second four, ga- four games, third four games, fourth four games, they historically get better as the season goes along, too. But let's start with their record after the bye week, under head coach Mike Tomlin. Last year, six and four. Okay, six and four, two games over 500. It doesn't blow your socks off, but again, you're in the win column there, six and four record. But look before that, 2017, seven and one. Hold on, hold on. you said 17? I remember that. All right, keep yeah, going. You were part of that, keep weren't going. you? Keep going. Seven and one after the bye week in 2017 under coach Tomlin. 2016. Hey, you were part of that too, weren't I, you? That sounds real familiar. Seven and two. Oh man, okay, keep it going. After the bye week under Coach Tomlin. So if you're doing the math, huh. right? Let me carry the one. Oh, right, got a remainder. Two, three. That's twenty and seven after hmm. the bye week over the last three years. Interesting. That's a pretty good win percentage there, Arthur Motes. Hey man, you know. You go back further and, and the success continues. 2015, four and two after hold the on, bye hold week. On. You said fifteen? Hey, you were part oh, of that too. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I think we work. might be cool. on to something here. All right, okay. 2014, four wait, and one. Wait a minute. Now, after the I bye know week, 2014. That was my first. I'm like the leprechaun. Huh? I'm just lucky. Uh, you, you, you are apparently. <laughs> you really are. 2013, eight and four. Man, that was an early bye week for the Steelers in 2013. Yeah. Eight and four after the bye week for the Steelers in 2013. 2012, seven and six. After the bye week, 2011, five and one after the bye week, 2010, nine and three after the bye week. In Coach Tomlin's entire career, 
The Steelers have only one time had a losing record after the bye week. Or 500 or losing record. Just once. And what year was that? 2009. Ah, After wow. they won the Super Bowl. Ah, okay. And you know how that works. The year after you win the Super Bowl, it's... That's, that's what they say. It's almost like everything's a crapshoot. That's what they say. Every other year other than that, to- Coach Tomlin has had a winning record after the bye week. Not 500. A winning record after the bye week. His entire Steelers tenure. 75 and 37 after the bye week. Let's do the math here real quick. Punch it into your calculator. Mm-hmm. Beep, 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 beep. That's a 67% win percentage. See? After the bye week. Arthur Motes, all these numbers, I'll, I'll shut up now. I've been talking for like the first five <laughs> minutes of the show. I like it, man. All to say, I think the arrow is pointed up. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that you have to always take into account when you're looking at the stats and stuff, obviously the rosters were different. But the one constant was the quarterback, right? You knew they had been. Right now, they're going through some transition in that department just due to injuries sure. and stuff like that. But the biggest thing that you can attest to Coach Tomlin's teams having success after the bye week is due to the fact that guys are becoming more comfortable with each other. Guys are playing for each other a lot better. They're understanding the scheme. They're understanding the details associated with their work. And something that Coach Tomlin always talks about is how Things that you could get away with in September, you can't get away with later on in the year when it's October, November, December, because teams have seen you enough now. They know your tendencies. They know your plays. You're not about to reinvent the wheel, you know, going into week seven, right. week eight. But you, what you do, you operate with a lot more detail. So if you know early in the season you could have ran a double move and you really didn't have to give a head fake to beat the guy, it just worked. You're not going to be able to do that. After the bye week, you have to operate with the details of, okay, stuttering your feet, pumping your arms really hard, turning your head to make that corner really believe that, hey, this guy's about to sit down on this route, and then you burst out. So it's the little minutia and details like that that ultimately help the Steelers teams in particularly have success after the bye week. And I think that's one of the things that Coach Tomlin always hits on. And it starts in, I mean, OTAs. He'll start talking about that because you can't just – turn it on once the bye week hey guys right now we're gonna start focusing now we're gonna start winning now we're gonna be our best selves no this is something that coach Tomlin talks about like i said the first day you come into otas and you start practicing he's letting you know right away we have to operate with more detail stuff that you're gonna get away with right now that's not gonna work pass moves that you could get away with or blitz calls that you can win with it's it starts out as a schematic thing that's what it starts out as. Like, oh, man, you just drew that. They weren't, they'd never seen it before. You right. got him. Kind of like the Wildcat, like we right. saw against the Bengals on Monday night. Absolutely. But once the team sees it, once it's on film multiple times, well, now people have a chance to scheme it. Now people have a chance to adapt to it. Now people have a chance to adjust to it. So what is your action to that? How do you counter that? You have to operate with a lot more detail. And sometimes calls that you might have called a lot earlier in the season, you don't call as much now because you know mm-hmm. from a familiarity standpoint – what your team can handle, what they can't handle, what they operate well in, and what things they struggle in. And that's the thing that I think Coach Tomlin and his staff do a great job of, the self-scouting and just making sure that everybody's operating at a high level when it comes to the details and the minutiae. So what then, if you look here, right, the proof is in the pudding, that clearly, like you said, with that with that self-scouting and that minutiae and the details – and self-evaluation, a process of this too, you know, and, and and looking at your opponents as well too. What makes Coach Tomlin and company, because we know, you know, Keith Butler's been there for a while, Randy Feetner's been there for a while, but this goes all the way back to 2007. So there's been, uh, Dick LeBeau's been involved, Todd Haley's been involved. There's been a lot of coaches involved in this. 
but Coach Tomlin has been the the, the consistent, the standard there, hey. if you will. All right. What makes Coach Tomlin and company so good at making those evaluations, those determinations, at that, that self scouting, and then having success? At, you know, particularly on the back half of the season, they put an emphasis on it on the self scouting department. Um, like I said, I've been a part of multiple organizations. Self scouting was not as big. It was more so what's mm. our opponent trying to do. Who do we have this week and that and that and et cetera. Whereas as the season gets later, we focus less on the person across from you and more so the man in the mirror. Because we tell ourselves this, if you play your best game, you're good enough to beat whoever you line up across. But it's on us. You have to play that game yourself. It's no different when you look at the guys up in New England. They don't always have the best talent. But the one thing that they do is they do not beat themselves. They don't make the same mistakes twice. And that's kind of the thing that we talk about here in terms of the self-scouting. Things that you had struggled with early in the season. Um, mistakes that you had offensively, defensively, and special teams. Tech, uh, not even blown assignments, but technical errors. Hey, you should have stepped with this foot. Or you should have used your sure. offhand for this. You oh, took the wrong angle absolutely. here. Absolutely. Those type of things are what... We or with the coaching staff here in Pittsburgh, and particularly Coach Tomlin focuses on because he understands once the season gets later, those are the things that separate you. Those are the things that are going to make you either be a great team or a team that doesn't make the playoffs. And I think the players here buy into that because of Coach Tomlin always talking about that from day one. Like you hmm. said, you come OTAs, and that's always the focal point. We have to do this. We have to figure out, okay, how can we continue to grow and get better? How do we not make the same mistakes twice? He always say this, hey, if you make that mistake, you need to find a new mistake. Because <laughs> some guys, like younger guys, they don't understand the concept of, hey, I can't keep using the wrong hand right here. I can't keep stepping wrong way. I can't keep blowing this call because that's going to cost us. So if the, if you can't find a new mistake to have, we're going to have to find a new person for this position. And that's typically how it operates in there. Particularly right, I would think even more so as the year goes along and all your opponents now have much more depth of film on what you're trying to do. Absolutely. And, I mean, we saw that firsthand with some of the quarterback play this year, right? Mm -hmm. A guy comes in off the bench during a game. The other team doesn't have a chance to prepare for him. They look great. The following week, now that the team has a chance to prepare for them, they don't look so hot. Those are the things that you have to deal with from a whole team standpoint. And it happens globally. It's not just here in Pittsburgh. Every team goes through this. But in Pittsburgh, they put extra emphasis on addressing these things. They put extra emphasis on correcting your own mistakes, worrying about your the guys in this building versus other organizations. They worry about, oh, man, who are we playing? This team has that guy. Oh, they got this guy, too. Oh, what referees do we have? Okay, oh, this guy has a 60% rate of calling passing the friends. This guy has a 20% rate of calling holding, so you could be more aggressive here. And, and it's less about what we need to do as a team to focus, you know? Whereas here in Pittsburgh, it's, hey, they don't care about the refs. They don't care about who's over there on the other side. They're telling you right now, this is what you need to do. Operate like this and we'll be fine. I love it. And and you were there. Yeah, you experienced it. The last three years, again, 20-7 and seven record after the bye week, 75-37 and 37 over Coach Tomlin's entire tenure in Pittsburgh. And Motes makes a good point that, yes, you had Ben Roethlisberger during those. And he, he missed a couple games within there, right, but right. nothing like he's going to miss this year. 14-plus games. Correct. But if I'm going to go a little bit further with the optimism, because that is a fair point by Arthur Motes, but I think history suggests that, like you talked about, that it's in the DNA of the organization to do this self-scouting, to make these improvements. 
after the bye week. The history also suggests that it's in the DNA of this organization and this coaching staff to continue to get better as the season goes along, not just specifically with the bye week. I think it was probably two weeks ago. I'm thinking it was after the Bengals game. Uh, We had some numbers here to remind you if you look over the last six seasons. Okay, so let's let's make a smaller sample size here over the last six seasons. And you break the Steelers season down into quarters, right? So four games at a time, four, eight, 12 and 16. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, just like a football game. There we go. First quarter of the season over the last six years, Steelers 11, 12 and one. Second quarter. 15 and 9. Third quarter, 17 and 7. And the final four games of the season over, over the last six years, Steelers 19 and 5. Woo! If you break that down into halves, just by halves over the last six years, first half of the season, the Steelers are 26, 21 and 1. A few games over 500. Mm-hmm. Second half of the season, they're 36 and 12. They remember. That's that's a 67% win percentage, and I told you this as well too, Arthur Motes. They are on an 18-game closing streak to oh. end their season over the last six years. Mm-hmm. So they haven't lost their last game of the season since 2012, I think it was. Yeah, I don't know. I, I won all my yeah, last yeah, <laughs> You are there for that. <laughs> standard was the standard. But they, they, have, they have gone on streaks of three games, four games, one game, seven games. You remember that in 2016. Seven, <laughs> seven straight <laughs> wins to close the season after, were you guys four and five right yes. after that Cowboys game? Mm-hmm. And yeah, went on a yeah, went John. on a seven game seven and one in the second half of the season seven game streak to close it out. Yeah, that was when we had lost four in a row, man. Dolphins, Cowboys, I forgot the other two. Cincinnati was in there. Okay, yep, that and sounds there was right. One other team that we lost to, I can't remember right now. But yeah, we ended up dropping four in a row right there, and people were like, "Oh, I know who it was. Everybody. I know who it was. It was the Eagles, wasn't it? That started it out, yeah. That started it that out. That started out. Okay. Eagles first, then we came back, lost to Cincy, then went on the road to Miami, got beat because they were 0 and 4 at the time, or like didn't have a win. And then from there, Cowboys gonna beat us on. Was that Sunday night? It was a Sunday 425. It was a game. Sunday night. No, it was a Sunday. It was a 425. No, and it just became a night game. I just remember whatever it was because, as you'll know, I was working for the Eagles during that time. Oh, your favorite team? But I got home in the able to catch the second half of that game. So maybe it was a four, you know, like a four twenty-five. Yeah. Eagles were playing at one. I was able to make it home, and I was all jacked up because during as you as I've talked about with you during those three years that I was working for the Eagles, I missed a lot of Steelers games because I was so busy on Sundays. So you're saying you're the reason why we lost that game? Yeah. What was, that, the, what was what the score saying? at halftime? Do you remember? We were winning. If I, if I had to take a guess, <laughs> then you start watching the game. And then the I game, started watching it and it was over. And then we lose. Well, you're like this. That Eagles game, to, was that the first game of that season? Second game of that season? What, when we played Philly? Yeah, in Philly. That was... Third game of the season? The it was game. early in the season. No, no it might have been the fourth because we were sitting at 2-1 and one, and they were sitting at 3-0 and oh, or something like that. All that I know, let's see here. It was the third game of the season. Yeah, we were two on one. They were three and zero. Correct. correct, correct. Thirty-four to three was the final. Cool. Yeah, we got waxed. Um, you'll like this, Mister. Oh, you're a big Eagles fan. All that week, right? I was talking trash. I was talking so much trash that week. I was, <laughs> I was supremely, supremely confident that my Steelers were going to go into Lincoln Financial Field and take a rookie Carson Wentz and slap him around a little bit and welcome to the NFL, rookie. And I talked all kinds of trash that week. What was going on? 
won that game. I'm trying to think. I talked all kinds of trash that week. We did a, we did this preview show thing on Saturdays, right? You know this. We do a lot of preview shows here throughout the week for Steelers stuff on DVE and here on ESPN Pittsburgh. We had this big preview show, Bleeding Green Nation, that they did every Saturday in Philly, yeah. right? And they do, kind of like we did in the last segment of their show, they would make their official picks, right? And they would always come in with this same corny Eagles fight song for the last segment of the show, right? <laughs> so what I did, Arthur Motes, a little sabotage. My, right, I know my Steelers hear. Nation faithful will like this. I'm producing the show, right? And there's three hosts of the show. And they're like, hey, Wes, you got the song ready to come back here for our pick em segment to, to wrap out the show? And I'm like, oh, yeah, guys, I got you. I bring them in to break, out of break with Renegade mm. by Sticks. I, they had Clutch. no idea it was coming. They thought they were going to get that corny Eagles fight song to pump them up ahead of the Steelers games. Uh-uh. I came in there with Renegade, and I was laughing, and I was having a good time. Well, joke's on me. They got the last laugh on Sunday. When, yeah, oh, we man. had two turnovers that game. The entire, the entire Eagles radio network staff was letting me have it the, that entire three hours. So th- thank you yeah, for that one, Arthur. That Rose. was rough. But then we went ahead, won the division, made it to the FC Championship game, and got beat. And again, ah, yes, I remember that season. And, but again, though, the point being, it was Baltimore we lost to. That was the, yeah. You having rough flashbacks over there? I am. But remember how you finished that year seven and two? Yes, because this this is what I remember. So we were two and one because we opened up on Monday night versus the Redskins. We go back to back, beat them, beat Cincy, lose the Philly. That's what it was. Beat the Chiefs, beat the Jets. Old quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, I remember that. Then after that, the Dolphins got us. Because we're sitting there 4 and 1, and that was the Tomlin game they talked about. 4 and 1 versus the uh the 04 <sighs> Miami Dolphins in Miami. Jay. Yep. Jay Jay. My that, dog Timmons. Was that Erlin. the Timmons throwing up yeah. on the field game? <laughs> then after that, we played New England, get beat. Oh, bye week. Scoby game versus. Is there Ravens? Whew. Yeah, I. I oh, is there Ravens? I. That hurt. I, I won't forget that Eagles one for a while because, I mean, rightfully yeah. so, because I was talking a lot of trash and I put the Renegade onto their broadcast and they had the last laugh for me on that Sunday for sure. But again, 20 Jeez. and 7, the Steelers after the bye week over the last three years. And in that year, 2016, 7 and 2 after the bye week with seven straight. <sighs> Wins in there on en route to the AFC Championship game. Hey, how about a little seven-game win streak here for your Steelers? Hey, that would, that would be nice. That would be nice, huh? 412-919-1316. Again, you've got the Euler Emotes guarantee today on this Friday. You call in. We will get you on the show. You talk to our buddy Greg. He'll get you up and on the board. 412-919-1316. You can also chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at DeBody52. DeBody. Coming up here, it's... Been a week of accolades for young 5'5", Devin Bush. Mm-hmm. Could Defensive Rookie of the Year be next? It's Euler Emotes in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. Draft night 2019, draft day 2K19 was a cool experience. I was down there broadcasting with Adam Crowley and Matt Williamson and Dale Lawley and Bob Labriola. It was a long three days. But on that first round Thursday, 
something that we did not expect to happen happen. We're all sitting out in the lobby where we have a kind of our radio setup and all the media guys there are there and everyone just had dinner and you're kind of waiting, right? All right, well, the Steelers aren't going to draft until what? I think it would have been 20th they would have picked. Is yeah, that right? man. 20. 20. 20. Nice little 20 piece. So everyone's kind of hanging out. The picks are rolling in. We're analyzing the picks. And oh my goodness, how could the Giants take Daniel Jones that high? That had been the big story up until that point. And then Bert Lawton comes out. Bert! And says, we just made a move. You guys might want to get ready. Steelers move up to number 10. Draft a defensive player in the top 10 for the first time since 1987. This 1987. And that was uh, one, two, three, four years before I was even born. Whew. Was that before you were born or was that the year you were born? Year before me. I'm 88, baby. Okay. So even yeah, before man. Arthur Motes was born and, you know, their first top 10 pick on defense since this guy named Rod Woodson. I don't know. You might have heard of him. He was pretty good. He, he was pretty good, right? He was decent. The Steelers knew they got a special player when they went up and drafted Devin Bush. The excitement around the organization to do something that was so outside of the norm for the Pittsburgh Steelers was palpable. Mm. Each week, I think Devin Bush continues to prove them right with his performances. Most recently, obviously, you know, out in Los Angeles against those Chargers. Perhaps mm -hmm. his best performance of his young NFL career earned him AFC Defensive Player of the Week Defensive honors. Defensive Player of the Week. After a touchdown, an interception, a fumble recovery, Devin Bush showing out in the City of Angels. Defensive Rookie of the Year and another special honor for him yesterday, Motsi, as he traveled back down to his high school in Florida, Flanagan High School, where he had his number retired, number 11 that he wore during his high school days. Motsi, the young man, just keeps getting better and better. And we talked about how you think the we think the arrows pointed up with this Steelers team on the back half of the season here after the bye week. Uh, that arrow is shooting through the roof for one Devin Bush Jr. Without a doubt. I mean, when you talk about a kid that's emerged, a kid that's continued to develop every week, it's a kid that showed that, okay, even though he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season in terms of uh, pass coverage, in terms of overall making his reads a little slower than they should be, I mean, this kid has just continued to take just crazy leaps and bounds in terms of his improvement, both from a mental standpoint and from a fundamental standpoint. It's just crazy to me to see that with a guy that his his age, though. He's still young. He, super he young. turned 21 during training camp. Right. Like, when he got drafted and came to Pittsburgh for for rookie minicamp and for OTAs and, and just to, to see the city and everything after he got drafted, I mean, he couldn't even have an Iron City down per manis. Because and little ice and light. That's what he wanted. But the thing that I'm noticing, though, from a fundamental standpoint in the run game, he's doing a great job shocking, locking, and shedding. He's not letting these bigger offensive linemen stay on top of him. He's hitting them and moving. And when you're undersized, you have to be able to control these bigger guys with your hands and get off the block fast so you can still make the play. And that's what he's been doing. He did it a, a ton of times in the run game versus the Chargers. And then from a passing standpoint, he's understanding his yeah. responsibilities greatly compared to the Seattle game where he's a little bit slow in his reads from fire zones and uh, the different combination, route combination that he could get. When he's working with somebody else, I mean, in the Chargers game, he's talking Mike Kelton pre-snap. He's talking to right. Vince Williams pre-snap. He's showing that, okay, pre-snap, if it's motion, 
he knows he's in this. Then when it goes to the other side from the change of strength motion, he's making calls, moving around with that. That's the stuff that when you watch film, you're saying to yourself, okay, that's legit. It's because, slowing down for him, right? right? The game is slowing down because for him. Because young guys, typically when you watch him on film, when it's in motion, they're waiting for somebody to talk to them. He's initiating the contact right now, and it showed up in a big way in that Chargers game. And on his interception versus Keenan Allen, everybody just looked at it like, oh, man, Tyson with the tip, he did a great job just making the play. I'm like, man, but do you know why he made the play, though? So if you watch the tape, they're in a, a cover two, but not a Tampa two. So the difference in a Tampa two and a cover two, Tampa two, he has to run and be essentially like the deep middle of the field guy. In a cover two, he's on the number three receiver, wherever they're at. So he doesn't have any vertical carry. He could be slow out of there, right? So as the ball snaps, you see everybody else backpedaling. He does not move. He just sits there, and he knows, okay, I could play super aggressive on Keenan Allen right now. I don't have to worry about, oh, man, he's going to take me vertical. He's going to run an exotic route on me. No. But you don't know that if you don't understand your call. You don't know that if you don't understand what your responsibility is. He shows that. And how it relates to your teammates around you as well. But then, so that was the first thing. I'm like, okay, everybody else is backpedaling out of there because they have vertical carry, vertical responsibilities, except the uh, the two outside corners. I said, okay, Devin's flat-footed. That's good. Then I'm like, okay, so when did he look back to see the ball be thrown or tipped? So a lot of young guys and some older guys, they, they, they do the cardinal sin. They look at the quarterback before they can touch the receiver. And what ends up happening is when you look back, your feet stop, and the receiver is able to burst and get separation. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between you getting a PBU or interception or that receiver making the catch and turning up field because you got that space in between. So I'm looking like, okay, he had to have looked back early. He had to peek. No. His eyes were focused on Keenan until he had two hands on Keenan. That's when he looked back at the quarterback. And then he happened to see the ball get tipped, goes off, makes the play. But as a football person, as a, a guy who has played the game and a guy who studies the game, when you see those type of qualities, those type of things, it makes you far more excited than just, oh, he got the interception. Because, okay, let's be real. How many times is that pass going to get tipped? We don't know. So that interception could be fluky. But the the fundamentals that he displayed, the progression that he showed from a pre-snap standpoint communicating to when there's motion, he bumps his alignment, to post-snap, understand I don't have to get out there fast because I don't have anything vertical, to now, okay, my hands are on him, now go get the ball. That's beautiful football right there, man. It's I'm sure your dad can relate. It's like when you got that music just playing oh, perfectly. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we got the we got the violins over here. Oh, the cello is hitting just right. Oh, we got this. It it was just a perfect thing to watch, man. It was a nice I was very harmony. By a it, nice man. harmony, huh? Without a doubt, man. Fifty-two total sack. Fifty-two total tackles. Fifty-two say, total sacks cow, would be wait insane. A minute. <laughs> Fifty-two total tackles. A, a single sack. Two interceptions. Uh, in on a total of six takeaways for Devin Bush. Every week he's getting better and better. And we, a lot of the conversation during the offseason, right, during OTAs and during training camp, things like that, around Devin Bush was what can we expect from him realistically and how can those expectations grow as the season goes along, right? We kind of talked about this with a guy like Juju Mm Smith-Schuster, right? You could really, around week six, seven, eight, is about when he started to figure it out and really looked like he was comfortable, like it was slowing down for him, like he knew what he was being asked to do, and then his skill just started to shine through. I think, Motsi, we're hitting that same point now with Devin Bush, right? Six, seven weeks into the season, things are slowing down for him, and now he's able 
to, to just go out there and do what he does instead of, you know, maybe having a lot of mental stuff that he has to check. And what am I doing here? And he's starting to get more comfortable with the defense, what he's being asked to do with his teammates around him. And now he can just go out there and ball. Absolutely, man. It, and like you said, when it happens to these younger guys this early, it's so promising, man. So promising. But, hey, the beauty is this. He's going to have even more time to continue to grow and develop after the bye week and as the thing continues on because it's not like he's not going to get any more action. It's not like he's a rotational guy. No, man, you're out there. You're in it. So embrace it, enjoy it, but continue to get better. Defensive rookie of the year? I think he has potential. I think his – I mean, everybody – Right now I'd say it's probably between him and Nick Bosa. Is that no, it's, fair? No, it's a three-man race. I think Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, Brian Burns. And, and Carolina. I think uh, Nick Bosa – this, so this is the issue with all three of these guys. So Nick, he doesn't have the big sack totals, but if you watch him, his, he's crazy disruptive. He hits the quarterback a ton. He creates havoc in the ring game. He does all of that. His problem is he's playing on the West Coast, and a lot of their games haven't been in primetime television. Sure. Now with Brian Burns, he's been phenomenal, but he's playing at 1 o'clock because they don't have Cam Newton. So he hasn't even been talked about like that because they've been talking about the Kyle Allen story. So that's the thing that's been hurting him. Whereas when you look at uh, Devin Bush, he's playing in primetime. So people are seeing him, and that helps from a national scale because you have the voters that are all over the country, all the journalists that might not be able to watch all these 1 o'clock games when they're happening. They might just look at the stat sheet. But when you watch a guy ball out in primetime, that helps a ton. And then to add to Devin Bush's, uh, what's going to help him out is just by his position alone, being an inside linebacker, he's going to rack up a ton, ton of, tackles. of tackles. Yeah, So that's going to help. Anytime he's going to have over 100 tackles, he's already at six turnovers right now. Just think about that. And he has a touchdown. All of that is only going to make it that much better. I mean, if he can get up to having double-digit turnovers himself, imagine that. 100 tackles, 10-plus turnovers, and a touchdown, it's hard to not say that that belongs as a uh, defense rookie of the year. So he just has to continue to creep getting those splash plays because that's what it's all about, the splash plays. Splash. Le splash. 412-919-1316. Let's go out to Carol in Winbear. What's happening, Carol? Hey, guys. How you doing today? We're doing well. How Much are better you? now that you called. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, yeah, I have a couple minutes before I, I leave, uh, go steelhead fishing for the weekend. I'm really excited. Nice. nice. That's but, a good way to spend the bye week. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We've been planning this uh, since the start of the season. But, but hey, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something Arthur said a little while ago. Uh, you were talking about how the team has the guys uh, focus on playing their own best game mm. every week, regardless of the conditions, regardless of the external factors that they can't control. And there's total value in that. But one of the external factors that you listed was who the refs are and what the officiating's like. And wow, given the struggles that the refs are having, uh, worse and worse, I think, every year, trying to understand and interpret rule changes and trying to keep guys safe on the field, wouldn't it be a good idea to try to understand, well, who's who's officiating this week? What are they calling? Hmm. When do they call it and why? The only reason why I say it's not is because I've been a part of organizations where you study every referee, right? They have a picture of each referee, their name, where they're from, how long they've been doing it, 
overall the calls they made, who they made calls on last week. And the issue is when you get out there on the field, you start thinking more about that hmm. than actually playing the game, than actually executing, than actually going through your pre-snap reads and stuff. You're thinking to yourself, oh, this guy calls oh, a lot man, of defensive he calls holding. This. I don't want to hold. I don't want to hold. And you're not playing your game. And that's why we in Pittsburgh, the focus was never on the rest because each week it changes. So you can't even build a continuity. Like when you think about like the playbook, right? It's not going to change drastically over the week. So you pretty much know, okay, this is what we're doing. I just got to understand it better, operate it better. With these referees, I mean, just think about how one week what they're calling for hands in the face versus, okay, this week what they're calling in pass interference, how it just drastically changes. That's why it's so hard to focus on that. You know, that makes sense. Uh, and I wouldn't have looked at it that way, more from the player's perspective. But I bet you the coaches have at least an idea, don't they? I'm well, sure, this is what's going on. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely know, think right? I definitely think they are aware of it. I think that what they discuss though in their meetings, they probably don't want to share with the players just because whatever you share in that player meeting, you're letting the whole team know that hey, this is something that we all need to focus on globally in this room. Compared to if they just come in and they're just talking about how we can get better, how we can improve, but they keep the uh, referee discussion to themselves. Control what you can control. Right, control what you control aspect of it. Yeah, I think that's how it typically is because those, I mean, the coaches, they know all the referees. The longer you coach, you see the, you know, a good amount of the same referees multiple times throughout the season and stuff like that. But in terms of the players, that's too much to try to focus on and worry about. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the discussion, but, uh, I got to get back to packing the car. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, Carol, have have fun this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you for the call. Catch a big one up there, all right? Will do. Thanks, guys. Thanks to Carol for calling in. 412-919-1316. Leaves the line open if you want to get on the horn. Call in. Our guy Greg will get you up and on the board. But Arthur Motes. What up, though? What is, what's today's date? Huh. 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 I believe it is for Friday. What's that mean around here? Well, you know what that means, baby. It's five a five-star matchup star. because we're in it. Five-star matchup. Everybody we play is a five-star matchup because we're in it. Listen, the Steelers aren't playing this weekend, but Arthur Motes is still inviting you into his classroom mm-hmm. for a special edition of Five Star Friday. We'll have that when we return. Still time to get on the lines or get at us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. Five Star Friday, when we return in the locker room, Euler Emotes in for Tunch and Wolf on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. An electric edition of the locker room. Euler Emotes filling in for Tunch and Wolf today on a Friday. Friday, Friday. What do you think Tunch and Wolf are doing right now? Probably enjoying a stogie. It's never too early for a stogie. That's true, actually. I was going to say hopefully sleeping, but this is way yeah, past they, they their wake up time. Long. Yeah. Stogies, you know, it's a nice meal. Oh, you know, it's always food included. I think Tunch went down to Hilton Head for the long weekend. So mm. Tunch might have his toes in water, his backside in the sand i like it but we're filling in for him i hope admirably 
We're having some fun here on the show. For those of you unfamiliar, maybe today, maybe yesterday, you tuned in for a little bit. You heard us. You were like, hmm, what are these guys? They got a good thing going on. Who are these jabronis? Euler and Motes, we do a show called Steelers Blitz, or as our listeners like to call it, the Electric Factory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Noon to two every day on Steelers Nation Radio. Today, we will have our our young bulls, Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky, filling in for us. So shout out to them. So make sure you keep it locked to SNR if that's where you're listening now. Steelers Blitz will still be coming your way at noon. But catch Motes and I there, noon to two weekdays. Catch us over there. How you like that? SNR. And for those of you familiar with what Motes and I do, we got a lot of benchmarks to our show. We like to have some fun. One of those is a a thing that we always do on Friday called Five Star Friday, where the keen football eye of Arthur Motes breaks down five key matchups for the Steelers versus their opponent that upcoming weekend. The five biggest matchups that will help determine the outcome of the season. Now, I don't think Arthur Motes has five key matchups for the Steelers against those bye week guys. Hey, man, I'm undefeated versus the bye. Never lost to him. Just letting you know. But a special edition of uh, of of Five Star Friday, right? I think you have five things that that are you want to be focused on during the bye week, right? Something like that, something like that. Well, I'll, I'll turn it over to the professor here as we go. You know, I got you, man. Stop trying to cheat. Get on my <laughs> syllabus. As, as he lays out for us his little Five Star Friday. It's a five-star matchup because we're in it. Five-star matchup. Everybody we play is a five-star matchup because we're in it. Professor Motes, take him to church. Alrighty then. Wait, hold on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I gotta do this right. Come on. Five Star Friday. Matchup number one. Alrighty. The first thing that we're gonna focus on in this bye week, because obviously we do not have an opponent. We are not about to play the bye. The bye doesn't want that smoke. But what we do need to focus on during the bye week are the five key things that Steelers need to do going forward to continue to be successful, to continue this post-bi-week success that Coach Tomlin historically has had. So, the first thing we need to focus on is continuing to run the ball effectively. And the reason why I say continuing is because they had their best game on the ground versus L.A. Chargers. In fact, it was the first game this season where they rushed for over 100 yards as a team. Did you hear that? The first game in which they rushed for over 100 yards as a team this season. Find ways to continue that. You got a, a very favorable matchup coming out of the bye with Miami. Continue to establish the run. That's going to help you with these young quarterbacks. While it's Mason Rudolph right now, if he gets hurt again or whatever may happen, and you have to go to Hodges. You have to establish the run game effectively early and often. You know, you mentioned my father earlier, who's a member of the Pittsburgh Symphony. Mm-hmm. He has a line that he used to always say to me, you're only as good as your last performance. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers' last performance in the run game was pretty darn good, pretty encouraging. Absolutely. And the thing that I want people to understand is it does not mean James Conner has to be the only guy running the ball. It doesn't mean Benny Stone has to be the only guy running the ball. But 100 yards or more on the ground collectively is what is key to be an effective rushing attack. Five-star Friday, matchup number two. All right, so the second matchup. We have to be creative on offense, man. And here's why. If you look at Juju and the receivers, they struggled mightily. And it's not just their fault. It's been a mix of the quarterback play. It's been a mix of the lack of running game. Injuries. And, and it's been injuries. And some of it has been on them as well. But there hasn't been a 100-yard receiving game from anybody on the offense, whether it was a wide receiver, a tight end, a running back. You have to think about this. Three 
of the highest total outputs offensively from the receiving standpoint. Juju had 83 yards, I think it was. James Conner has 78 yards. And then Deontay Johnson has 77 yards. You know, James Conner leads the team in receptions right now. Absolutely. So, with that being said, you have to continue to find ways to be creative. The Wildcat worked in terms of creating creativity for the rushing attack, but you have to find different ways to get these receivers involved, get these tight ends involved, and ultimately find somebody to get over 100 yards receiving so that way you can really open up this offense because the players are there, the talent is there, but you have to execute. I look at the first pass from uh, Devlin Duck Hodges, the double move. That could have been a, a big-time play right there, underthrown. We operate with more details. Mason Rudolph, some of the deep passes that were available to him that he did not throw. Got to get more comfortable with that. We need that because that's going to be the change in this offense. That's going to make this offense so much more dynamic, and it's going to help the running game because then you can't have teams packing the box. So that's my five-star matchup number two. Five-star Friday, matchup number three. All right, so you know me. Anytime it's a five-star matchup, I got to talk about the defense, the dark side. You know, that's why I laid my hat. So with that being said, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm really familiar and to a person I'm very familiar with, Mr. Bud Dupree. Mm. I need you. You have to continue to be productive, but you have to take that next step. And this is the next step I'm talking about. So, as, as it sits right now, he has 19 tackles, three sacks, one forced fumble, five QB hits. As you look on paper, oh, man, those are pretty good numbers, right? That's, those are starting right. linebacker numbers. And then and then I take it a step further. You compare, oh, look at T.J. Watt, who's a pro bowler, 20 tackles, four sacks, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, one interception. So, it's like, okay, they're pretty much right on pace, right? But here's the difference. T.J. Watt, 14 QB hits. Bud Dupree, five QB hits. With that being said, but I understand you're getting sacks. I understand your numbers look good, but that's a part of your game where you can take the next step. The more QB hits you're getting typically equates to more sacks. That means you're getting back there a lot more frequently. You're causing more havoc. So even though you're having a good year, why not settle? Why, why settle for being good when you could be great? Why settle, Talk to him. why settle for just seven? Oh, I got three sacks. I got some QB hits. Why not get more? You're capable of that. Go out there and do it. So these are the things that I challenge Bud to do on this bye week. Find ways to get better. Find ways to make yourself that much more productive because your your counterpart, he's doing his thing. But you can still do more. Five-star Friday, matchup number four. All right, now the fourth matchup is huge. It's huge because it has directly affected this team in every element in terms of wins and losses. And what it is is for the offense to protect the ball. They're sitting at eight turnovers right now, five interceptions, three fumbles, which isn't terrible. It's not. But this is the issue. The late game turnovers. You cannot have turnovers, especially in the fourth quarter. They kill you as a team. They kill you in terms of your opportunity to win games because you are leaving so much to chance. You are leaving so much in the hands of somebody else. Whereas when you have the ball late in the game, you control your own destiny. But in turn, when you holding when you're holding that ball, you're holding the team's hopes and dreams. You cannot have the late game costly turnovers. You have to continue to protect the ball from an offensive standpoint. Five-star Friday, matchup number five. Now my fifth and final five-star matchup. I stays with the dark side, baby. That's the only way we can get it. And 
the thing that they have to do is continue to create turnovers. They're at 15 turnovers. Oh, eight interceptions. Remember how many interceptions they had all of last season? Five? Was that right? No, it's a little bit over than five. Six? I think it was six. Okay. It was not enough. It was way less than what they need. So right now, they're already above that number. From a turnover standpoint, they're at 15. 15. Eight interceptions. That's, that's seven all they fumbles. had of last year was 15 forced turnovers. Think about that. So with that being said, it's important that this team does not get complacent. Don't say, hey, man, we, we have these numbers right now. We're hot out the gate. That's enough. No, that's not enough. That's not okay. It's not acceptable. Because let's be real about it. We've seen how many guys drop interceptions this season as well. Sure. Last game, we saw Chicolo drop one. We saw Joe drop one. We've seen multiple players drop interceptions as this season has progressed. So it's still more food. It's still more meat on the bone. Finish your food. Get these turnovers. Keep them going because that's only going to make it better for this offense. And when this offense gets the ball more and more, they're going to continue to grow and get better. And ultimately, that's going to equate to more wins. And Coach Tomlin can continue being a dominant force after the bye week, baby. I love it. I love it. There's been certainly... We talked about this, what was it, when we did our quarter of the season evaluations, mm-hmm. how you want to talk about off-season thing, themes and discussion points and Steelers topics that we just <laughs> we just hammered into the ground. Creating more splash, more turnovers on defense was at the top of the list for Steelers fans, for Steelers media, for Coach Tomlin and company, for the players. It didn't matter if it was OTAs or training camp or if you just ran into somebody down on the south side. Anybody involved with the Steelers mm-hmm. was talking about forcing more turnovers on defense, being ball hawks, being playmakers, creating more splash. Need it all. And and they have certainly, through six games, Arthur Modes, I think you could argue that's been the most encouraging, the most exciting, the most positive aspect of this 2019 edition of the oh, Pittsburgh Steelers. without a doubt, man. It's, keep, it's kept them in games. It's won them games. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's been the big X factor, and especially when you think about how the offense hasn't been able to move the ball, how the offense has struggled to pass for over 200 yards a game, how this offense, like I said, just had their first 100-yard uh 100-yard total rushing attack on the ground. How they were at, before uh, Sunday in Los Angeles, they were averaging less than three points in the first quarter. Absolutely. So the turnovers have been huge, have been critical to this team's success to getting them where they are thus far, to even having them in the conversation that, hey, if the season were to end, they still are in contention to get in there, to get in the playoffs, to potentially fight for a wild card spot. All of that's still on the table right now. Turnovers have been key for that. Five Star Friday. Arthur Motes, one more time. Run them through your five talking points. Yes, indeed. So the first one was to continue to run the ball effectively, meaning that, hey, you had your first 100-yard total rushing game versus the Chargers last week. Continue to be effective on the ground. Need that 100-plus whatever. Second one, creativity on offense. Finding ways to get Juju, the receivers, the tight ends more involved. Right now, there has not been one player to have over 100 yards receiving in a game this season. Unacceptable. And it's been multiple variables to that, but find a way. Get creative. Bud Dupree is my third one. Continuing to be productive and taking the next step. 
from a statistical standpoint, his tackles and sack numbers, hey, they're on par with starting caliber linebackers. But where he can improve drastically are his QB hits, and he's more than capable of doing it. So don't settle for good when you could be great. Mm. Now, from the fourth standpoint, the fourth point in the five-star matchup, protecting the ball offensively. They've had two or actually multiple late game turnovers that have cost them in the wins and loss department. So it's important that they minimize those turnovers. They're sitting at eight total turnovers, which isn't terrible, but they can still continue to grow in that de- in that department. And in the fifth and final five-star matchup, defensively continue to create turnovers. 15 total turnovers last year total. Now you're at 15 turnovers and it's just week six, or excuse me, going into week seven. Don't settle for that. Don't become complacent. Keep going. The more turnovers, the better. Historically, the defenses that have the most turnovers are the defenses that are usually the top ranked in the league, the teams that are always in contention for the playoffs, winning their division, and winning championships. So, with that being said, defense, all the talent's there. The pedigree's there. The draft capital, the money is on that side of the ball. Make it look like it was the good, correct decision. I love it. There it is, your five-star Friday for the bye week. A nice little twist on things there from the body, Arthur Motes. 412-919-1316 are the digits to dial if you want to chime in. Remember, the the Euler and Motes guarantee today. You call in, we will get you on the show. I guarantee it. You could also tweet us at Wesley Euler at the body 52 The body. Coming up next, it's been... Too long? It's been a heck of a year for quarterback injuries across the National Football League, and that only continued last night. Euler emotes in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf, an electric edition of the locker room here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Euler Motes with you here in an electric edition of the locker room filling in for Tunch and Wolf on this bi-week Friday. I have a question. Yes. Is this related to afternoon and morning? Yes. Good. Yes, it is. Because I wanted to get into this. I'm glad you asked me. Because it is not the afternoon, But man. it's not the morning. It is not the afternoon. But it's not the morning. It technically is the morning. It's before 12. From a technical standpoint. I mean, you're right. Technically. See, this is the struggles that I'm not familiar I'm with saying, when filling in for Tunch and Wolf. I like perfection. I like greatness. Are you good or are you great? Are you okay with being average? Do you want to just say, hey, good afternoon? When when we look at the minutia, when we look at the details that are associated with winning. Wes, stuff that you said in September, we can't say that now. It's the bye week. Stuff that you got away with in August, you can't say that now. Come on, man. We need more detail. So you're overriding me here. It's the morning. I need more minutia from you. How are we going to be great, Wes? How are we going to take it to the top, Wes, if we're not detailing our work? What time is it? It's 11.02. So what time is it? Is it a.m. or is it p.m., son? I think you're right. Who right? <laughs> I think you're right. All right, hold on. Let's try this again. Greg, right, you ready for this? On, Let's man. try this come again. <laughs> good morning, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Your remotes. There it is. In the, there lo- it is. 
in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf on a bye week Friday, 412-919-1316. The digits to dial will get you up and on the board. Arthur Motes, big Wesley time. Euler in for Tunch and Wolf, having some fun on a Friday. That's a big time play right there, Wes. You know where they're not having fun today? Uh-oh, talk about it. Kansas City. Ooh. I mean, they had a victory Monday, or excuse me, victory Friday, but it was very expensive. It cost them a lot. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes going down last night in Kansas City. And I guess, hey, I've been guilty of this too. A lot of the, well, why don't they run more quarterback sneaks with Ben? Why don't they just have Ben fall forward? Look at how good the offensive line is. Look at how good big, he's, or look how he's big. So, he's so big. We, he we just call get him a, big Ben for a reason. He can get a yard. Well, maybe last night is why a lot of teams, a lot of coordinators are so hesitant to do so. Mm. Patrick Mahomes on a simple quarterback sneak Mm. did something to his knee. I know they're saying that he just dislocated it, but I know you're not buying that motif. Allegedly is a dislocation of the knee. I haven't seen too many dislocated knees just casually walk off smiling. Everything's good. Three weeks. Nah, bruh. Yeah, and nah, his Nah, bruh. I mean, his kneecap it did not look like a normal knee. Nah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was that's oh, it's another quarterback, another prominent name, another, you know, a franchise quarterback going down this year in the National Football League and what's been a unfortunate theme of this season, I would say, Arthur Motes. Uh, you and I had a, a spirited discussion about quarterback play during OTAs. I don't know if you remember that. We, we got into it about how quarterback play, I think, is a big determining factor for the casual fans and how much they tune into the National <laughs> Football League. But if you look at the list here, Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. Drew Brees missing a significant amount of time. Sam Darnold, he's back but missed a, a nice chunk of time. Nick Foles out for the rest of the season. You can also play into this Andrew Luck, right, who who retired from before the year started in, what, week three of the preseason? Mm-hmm. Cam Newton's been banged up this whole year. Now Patrick Mahomes, that's seven franchise quarterbacks alone right there that, that we did not have, that we had, you know, just a few months ago. Do you think that this is going to continue to keep things wide as it relates not to all seven of these guys. I'm talking right. now Mahomes here specifically with him going down. It's, it, it seems like the AFC it continues to just be wide open. Yes. We know the Patriots are there at the top, but behind them, it feels like week to week, anybody can kind of step into that spot now, especially with Mahomes being out at least they're saying at least three weeks. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's open. I think that you kind of are overlooking the Houston Texans. I think they're, playing really well but in terms of the AFC in general man teams that we thought were going to be really good this year like Chargers. the Chargers obviously we took the Steelers, Steelers. We put them in there even the Colts for example Colts. man they have had down seasons they haven't been looking the best it hasn't as went as most people either thought it was going to go or how they planned it to go but the thing that was interesting about last night's game, it made me wonder, was uh, Matt Moore and the Chiefs that good, or were the Broncos really that bad? Right. Because we've seen Ooh. the Broncos, man, they've they, been, they, you want to talk about good a roller coaster the Chargers. team. They look really good versus the Chargers. They're, Je- the they're well. Jekyll and Hyde. And then, yeah, they just looked terrible versus the Chiefs. Like, didn't even look enthused about it. But those are the things that I'm wondering, man, in terms of how open this AFC truly is right now, man, especially with Mahomes going down. And 
I'm glad they just said at least three weeks. You're not buying that. I'm personally not, but I like the fact they say, oh, at least three weeks. That that gives them a little cushion of, hey, it might be a little serious. So we'll just say at least three weeks that we're recovered. Listen, I know you're Professor Motes, all right? You're not Doctor. Hey. You're not Doctor Motes. Hey. But in your extensive, hey. you know, decade in the National Football League, and and, and you played high school football Absolutely. and college football. What what's the recovery time been like Typically, for those the type guys of, that I've seen who've had dislocated kneecaps? They usually tear ligaments with the dislocation, which in turn requires surgery, which in turn requires an extensive amount of time being missed. Some guys not being able to come back from that. You've seen it. It's going to be, you know, it's one of those things. I think when the MRI comes out, they'll be able to truly see how bad it is. But it's very rare that you dislocate the knee, the, the kneecap in particular, and you don't tear any ligaments. Now, granted, at least it wasn't his uh, patella. They just right. okay, that was huge right. because that would really be out for the year. Yeah, that would end it all. But whew, this is crazy, man. And the thing is, when you watch the play, did it even look crazy? No, it, it, it was just him falling like, forward, yeah, and the guy fell on him. Like, and it wasn't anything dirty. Didn't look nasty, nothing like that. You just see him just laying there grabbing his leg. So it's gonna be interesting, man. I really want to see once the MRI comes out. Yeah, what they say if they're sticking with this? Oh, it's three weeks. I'm with you. I'm uh. You know, I like the term cautiously optimistic. Absolutely. I'm not very cautiously optimistic when it not comes at all. Uh, when it comes to uh, to Patrick Mahomes. Well, well, and then also, I know people are like, well, he walked off the field. I've seen guys tear their ACL and walk off the field. Plenty of guys are jacked up and they walk off the field. I mean, it doesn't matter. You got to get the MRI. Right. The MRI tells plenty, you Yeah, everything. plenty of guys have walked yeah. off the field and then oh, not played fine. again for yes. a year. <laughs> right. He yeah. looks fine. He walked off. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Yeah, I just yeah, dislocating the kneecap does it that especially for a guy like him who's so athletic and yes. so mobile in the and you pocket. You already saw how he was struggling, anyways, with the ankle injury. With the ankle injury. So now you're just adding on to that. I mean, at what point are you willing to continue to jeopardize this man's health and longevity? The uh, Chiefs have a nice two game cushion in the division, but man, it's certainly. Uh... I'm sure kind of feeling, not to this extreme, but kind of feeling how we felt on the day we found out that Ben was out for the year. I, I think Chiefs fans, too, are probably thinking, man, three weeks. I, I don't know even if I buy into that. What say you? Yeah. 412-919-1316 or on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Body 52 Body. And Tonio chimes in here. He said, I dislocated both my kneecaps on multiple occasions he said for Mahomes, the first time usually isn't as bad, right? He should be able to bounce back unless it happens again. He said, I've always been told, and in my experience, that once it happens once, you're more prone to it happening and happening again, and it gets worse mm. going forward. It just yeah, not a good situation uh for, for Patrick Mahomes, for the Chiefs, for one thing that did, you know, kind of perturb me a little bit, Motsi, was the idea that uh, it's such a bad thing for football that was it's been talked about a lot today. And don't get me wrong, I agree with that. you what? I do agree that a a, a, a franchise quarterback getting hurt for uh -huh. any team is bad for the game of football. Okay. It makes the product less uh -huh. watchable. You okay. and I had this discussion, and, and, and my discussion was right. Yours was wrong, but, but it's cool. I where I'm going with this is uh -huh. not not to get back into a good debate that we had two months ago. I'm saying, but just I didn't hear that kind of outcry when Ben went down. Ooh. 
I didn't hear that kind of outcry when Drew Brees went down. Are you saying somebody needs to keep that same energy? I'm is, just, is, I'm just is saying, that what you're saying. I'm just saying it's pretty clear that Patrick Mahomes is the prom king. Ah, uh, the uh, the bell of the ball, if you will, in media okay. circles around the National Football League. I, you know, I didn't hear any of that about Ben or Brees or or Cam Newton. But you know, all of a sudden, that's all anybody can talk about. Patrick Mahomes. Hey, I'm just saying. I mean, the guy eats Hunt's ketchup for crying out loud. Yeah, man. Can't trust a guy who eats hunts. Uh, we talked a lot in the first segment of the show about optimism for the Steelers going forward. The record after a bye week under Mike Tomlin. I wanted to reset this a little bit because you know how that works in radio, right? Oh, yeah. A good majority of the people who were listening to us an hour ago aren't listening to us now. So for those of you that missed it, the last three years after the bye week, the Steelers under Mike Tomlin, 20-7. and seven. His entire career after the bye week. 75 and 37. Talk about it. And you know what's funny about the, both of those numbers, Motsi? What's up? 20 and 7 and 75 and 37, uh-huh. both a 67% win percentage. Whew. Arrow pointed out winning two out of three games is essentially what that means. After the bye week, under Mike Tomlin, historically the Steelers have won. The numbers show they've won two out of three games after the bye week. Last year, six and four. The year before, Arthur Motes, seven and one. Hey. The, the year before, Arthur Motes, seven and two. Hey. The Steelers historically get stronger after the bye week. And if you break that, or if you look at that in an even larger picture, if you break the season down into halves or into quarters, if you will, first quarter of the season over the last six years, the Steelers have actually had a losing record close 11, 12, and 1. Second quarter of the season, 15 and 9. Third quarter of the season, 17 and 7. Final quarter of the season, 19 and 5. This is a team, Arthur Motes, that under their current head coach, and, and as you rightfully pointed out, Ben has been a part of this. You've had that franchise quarterback to lean on. But this is a team that has historically gotten better as the season has gone along, gotten better after the bye week. Why is that, Arthur Motes? It's all about the details. Detailing your work. Finding what it takes for you to be your best self. Understanding that, hey, things that you might have won with or beat a person with in August and September, you can't do that once the season gets late because everybody has seen it. Everybody has. Everyone's got film. No question. They know what you're good at. They know what you're bad at. They know your tendencies. They know anything that you've been doing early in the season. So you're not going to become a totally different player as the season progresses. No, but what you have to do is become a totally more detail-oriented person. You have to live in the minutia. You have to understand that those are the things that it's going to take for you to be successful. The minute little things that nobody likes to talk about. It looks so mundane because, oh, man, it's just the step. It's just putting my toy this way. It's just having my hand placement right here versus here. It's so boring. But those are the things that helps you win at this level. Those are the things that help you be a better player. Those are the things that help teams like the Steelers be successful post-buy because they focus on those things. It, it really is. And, and you talked about this, too. And I've been close enough. I've never been in the locker room like you. But I've been around enough to to back you up on this. It is something that they drive home in those guys from OTAs to training camp all throughout the year that you have to continuously be polishing your product, right? Absolutely, man. What what they always talk about is regardless of how good you think you are when you come there in OTAs, regardless of how good you think you are in training camp, Coach Tomlin always tells them, like, hey, 
you I don't want you to be your best self right now. You're going to be your best self in January, in February, the Super Bowl. But you're still going to be growing and developing. You're still going to be finding ways to improve your game. You're still going to be finding ways that, hey, okay, what I did right here that I won with. Oh, I know if I'm an inside linebacker, I'm Vince Williams and I'm blitzing the B gap on a fire zone call. What we saw versus the Chargers, they ultimately forced the pressure for Phillip Rivers to throw the ball early and Devin Bush to get the uh, fumble recovery and score. If that's September, Vince is running in there free. You know why? Because you're going to trick the offense. Right. That call right there, they didn't trick the offense. The Chargers knew what was happening. Devin Bush did a good job in terms of bluffing away from the play to try to get some attention over there. But the detail that Vince showed was when he blitzed, he understands that the guard is is the one-on-one. You're not going to get a call where you're running free anymore. You're going to have one-on-ones, which is what you want. So Vince can put two hands on him, try to bull rush him, but that doesn't play into Vince's game because Vince is a lot smaller than the guard. But what he does do is this. He understands that, hey, when he's rushing, he dips his inside shoulder mm-hmm. just below the tackle, I mean, just below the guard's hand, so now he can clear his hips and get through free and cross that instant pressure on Phillip Rivers and make him have to get rid of the ball early. That's the details. Whereas before, you just run straight through. Well, if you try to run straight through now, you're going to get knocked out. That's the difference. The little details like that, just dipping your shoulder. And I'm sure that's been talked about multiple times because you don't just wake up and say, oh, now I'm going to dip my shoulder. Nope. No, it's you have, driven it's into, your head into your head week after week after week. Absolutely. Like and Pavlov's dogs. Absolutely. And Vince probably said to them in September, man, I ain't get touched. Why do I need to do that? But now they're saying, look, man, that guard is coming off free. He's looking for you. You better dip your shoulder. Otherwise, you're going to get hit. And he shows the coaching, and ultimately it plays off and pays off like that. So that's why it's always key that they continue to work on the minutia. Pierre chimes in here telling you, get me right with the detail, Mr. Motes, on that, <laughs> on that morning-afternoon debate. And he also adds, you're right, that Mahomes is the prom king in the national media. Keep that same energy. Yeah, mm, yeah keep that same energy, man. Yeah, keep that same energy. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 the body. And we will hit the phone lines when we come back. That, I promise, 412-919-1316. Mike, CR, Juan, stay on the line. We got you when we come back. Still some space to chime in as well. Again, 412-919-1316. Euler Remotes in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. An electric edition of In the Locker Room on this Friday. Euler and Motes riding with you here for another 40 minutes or so till we hand things off to the godfather Stan Saverin here on ESPN Pittsburgh. And only. And our young bulls, Kellen and Tom. Holding things down on the Steelers Blitz on SNR. It's a good day to have a good day, Arthur Motes. Oh, you better believe it, man. It's Friday, bye week edition, baby. And Friday means a lot of things on our show, but one that we haven't talked about yet today is Photoshop Friday. Uh Uh-oh. It's a tradition that we started uh, back, what, during OTAs, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, man. And it all started with me and you being Sydney and Billy. Uh, Wesley Snipes and uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. from White Man Can't Jump. We got a Photoshop of uh, of us as the characters in that movie, and it's kind of uh, spiraled onwards ever since. We've gotten photoshops, <laughs> we've gotten videos, and our guy David, he's always he's always keeping it 100 on the Twitter.com. Tweets us a video of this is you and I as the guys from LMFAO, right? 
I think it's the, uh, yes. the party yeah. rock and music video, uh-huh. but he of course put in our red, red foo and yeah, yeah. Our he put in our DMX intro on there too. It's Moats and I dancing around. It's great stuff. It even has a little advertising. Still Nation Radio, right? Euler and Moats are on the air. He's yeah. got the stations on there. He's got the hashtag Power Grid. Like, I mean, can we pay you? Like, don't you want to come? <laughs> we need to bring you into you know. Can control the marketing for us. No, I know you get solicited a lot for uh, autographs and pictures and things of that nature. But oh, we're, what we're, me? What? Stop it! We're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to send something to David here before the year's over for, for all these for all these funny photoshops and videos that he sent us. If you want to take a peek on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two, the Body, where we got that retweeted and favorited. David doing a good job there. Uh, you can also get in on the phone lines, 412-919-1316. And you know, Moats, we made that promise to people. If they call in, we'll get them on the show. We're a man of our words. We are a man of our words. So let's do it. Let's hit the phone lines here. Let's go down to Jacksonville and talk to Mike. I think he, uh, he's he got a question here about if the Steelers could still make additions to the roster. What's happening, Mike? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Still wearing my shorts, even though it's a little bit cooler. Than <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick question for you. With the NFL trade deadline coming up, is there any other player out there that you think the Steelers should go after? Like maybe uh, Leonard Williams from the Jets since uh, it went down, or maybe even Keelan Allen from the, uh, from the uh, wide receiver from the Chargers? Uh, I think as of right now, we don't have a lot to give up in terms of draft capital. So you run into very dangerous territory when you're trying to acquire some of these talented uh, players like we're talking about, whether you're giving up a second-round pick or whatever else it might require to get them. And then, essentially, you handcuff yourself this offseason with the draft, and obviously you're going to have people leaving through free agency and stuff like that. So, honestly, I think it's best that they just sit still with the talent that they have. They've acquired Mika Fitzpatrick. By, for a first-round pick, that was huge. I think the addition of Nick Van Nett is going to be huge as well. But I don't think they need to go out and make any more, quote-unquote, like splash trades like that just because what you're going to have to give up is going to be crazy. I mean, I had people asking about A.J. Green as well. Yeah. But for what you would have to give up in for In division him, especially. In division, the fact that his health is up in the air and you're going to have to extend him at some point in the very near future, these are all the things that kind of play into those type of decisions right now. Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. I know there's a lot of other callers, so you guys have a great day. Hey, man, we appreciate you. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate your time, as always, partner. Yeah, kind of touching on that same thing in additions and, and, and guys that they've already brought in. Mark chimed in earlier. I wanted to make sure to ask you this. When you were talking about the, the attitude and the effort of continued growth and development with this roster from OTAs as the season goes along, and that's kind of a, a thing that Mike Tomlin has, again, the record shows, has made really part of his bread and butter during his NFL head coaching tenure. Mark wonders if you could discuss how we could see that continued growth and development even relate to Minka Fitzpatrick and Nick Vanette. Man, I think with those two guys in particular, with them being younger players, they're getting a crash course on what it's like to not only be a professional, but what it's like to have to operate with that type of detail. So it's a lot easier with guys who are still, you know, three years or three years and under in terms of NFL experience because they don't know everything yet they still are in that phase of, i'm trying to understand this i'm trying to learn that versus if you get a guy that's in year six seven eight he's setting his ways right 
So in that regard, I think it's going to benefit those guys a ton, especially this season and going forward, because they're going to learn the correct way. They're going to understand, hey, Mika, you've had success, a ton of success since you got here, but how can we get better? I saw you had the uh, the tip pass versus uh, the Ravens that ultimately led to Cameron Kelly getting his interception. What could we do better there? Okay, you're flat-footed right here. You're shuffling inside. All right, instead of letting the tight end get his body on you like that, how about you take this step and to get around him? Now you're making that play yourself. These are the type of things, the little minutiae that they could be discussing. When you talk about Nick Vanette, hey, we saw you work really well coming back to the ball versus I think it was the – might have been the Ravens game as well, getting the catch on the sideline late in the game. We saw that. What can you do to improve yourself? How can you make yourself a more quarterback-friendly target? These are the type of things. Okay, understand the zone, man coverage. All right, when to sit down, when to keep moving. All right, what is your quarterback like when you're coming back to him? Where does he want to see you? Is he want you front side? Is he like you on the back side? These are all the different things that you could be working on to improve your game to help this team get better. So I think for those two guys, they're going to benefit immensely from it. 412-919-1316 on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Dabody52. Dabody. Juan in Charleston wants to talk some Steelers stuff and also some remarks on our QB sneak conversation. What's happening, Juan? Juan, we got you there, buddy. Juan. Hello. Oh. Hello. Hey, we got you. What's up, Juan? Hey, what's going on, buddy? How y'all doing? Man, you know it's always a great day when you're on the phone. Uh, I want to say thank y'all, guys. We appreciate y'all bringing the good stuff for the last two days. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I just want to see what the quarterback see. I got to admit, Wes, I'm like you. I'm one of the guys. Why wow, the Steelers don't quarterback see someone sticking and whining. I see why now. So I admit, I'm one of the guys, too. <laughs> I, I like the fact that you can admit it, man. Yeah, no, I was too, one without a doubt. It's all fun and games till he gets hurt. Yeah, so also with Patrick Mahomes, I know they're saying three weeks, but I doubt it. I'm with you much. I don't think it's going to be three weeks. So I hope they don't try to do like how Washington did, Washington did a few years ago. Well, RG3. RG3. Yeah, good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, and you see what happened with RG3, so I hope they don't make that call. Yeah, I agree 100%. And that was one of the things that – when they said three weeks, I'm saying to myself, okay, is it three weeks? And he's just out there, but he's not 100% healthy because we talked about how you can be cleared but not healthy. And that's yeah. always the concern. And like you said, man, he already has been playing with the ankle injury. So then you add the knee. It's more like, like what's next? You know, and those are the things you want to avoid, especially with a young, promising talent like Patrick Mahomes is. You don't want to rush him back there like that. Yeah, and also one more thing. I um I went back and looked at the tape with the Chargers game and Morse. I appreciate you breaking it down with the Artie Burns situation. He did a pretty good job on that game. Man, I appreciate you, man. And, and Artie, yeah, man, he definitely deserved it. I thought that a lot of people didn't understand the impact that he had. They just looked and said, well, hey, man, I saw this touchdown. That had to be on him. I saw this catch. That had to be on him. But the film will always show you, man. The film will always let you know, hey, this guy did not do that. This guy was correct right here. And ultimately, that's why he performed the way he performed, man. Thanks for the call, Juan. We appreciate it. Yeah, he's a guy that we've given some love to. We also had a question here on Twitter uh, from Jason talking about, well, more so an observation than a question. He said, I think Cam Sutton needs more playing time. He had a couple pass breakups and put the game away with that pick. Uh, both Cam Sutton and Artie Burns. Man, you feel great about Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson being your number one and your number two. 
And then behind those guys, you've got Artie, you've got Sutton, you've got Mike Hilton. It truly is a position group right in the secondary that we, it was a talking point forever with this team now feels like really one of the strong points of the defense. Absolutely. They're showing that they have a ton of depth. They're showing that they have guys who are continuing to grow and develop, guys that have stayed in the lab, guys that not only physically had to get better, but mentally had to get better in Artie Burns in terms of how he was lacking confidence. But you saw him play extremely confident on uh, Sunday night. Those are the things that are promising. Cam Sutton, a guy who – Missed his, what, first year with hamstring issues. Has been in and out of the lineup. But now he had the opportunity. Stepped up in a big way. You already know what Mike Kilton can do. He's in a contract year. Mm-hmm. You see what Joe Hayden's doing. He just got the extension. Steven Olsen just got the biggest free agent contract that Steelers have given out. All of these guys are showing that, hey, they're here and they want to be for real. They want this team to be one of the best units in the NFL. And then, like you said, on the back end, I mean, you think about Edmonds and, uh, and Young Minka. Mm-hmm. It's a ton of talent in that secondary, man. There, a ton there, of talent. There really is, and like I said, it's encouraging because it, it feels like, you know, ever since Ike and, and Troy left, we've been having that conversation about needing more talent in the secondary, and finally it's there. Again, 412-919-1316. You can chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52 The body. Now it's really showtime, Arthur Motes. I mean, you know, we were just getting by for these first 90 minutes of the show. Talk about who we got. We got the we got the real star, and I'm sure Uh-oh. he's got the intro music all queued up and ready. Let's go out to Chicago, talk to CR, Steelers Nation Chicago. What's happening, CR? Here it is. Hey, CR, Steelers Nation Chicago, live with the Wild Wild West and the body. <laughs> <laughs> CR, what's happening, baby? We were worried about you yesterday. You didn't call in yesterday. I was hoping we were going to hear from you today. Oh, man, I, I can't call in every day, man. I got to get some slack to some other people, man. I can't <laughs> the whole show. That's true. I'm glad, I heard from a boy, I'm glad I heard from my boy Juan. How you doing, Juan? Everything's cool, brother. I really appreciate um, your comments. So, um, hey, guys, I'm just kind of like laid back this morning. Um, I did want to get in because it is Friday. And uh, I got a hey, uh, author. I um, I got a couple of questions here, well, for you because, you you know, you you a defensive guy. Not only that, you are the professor. <laughs> the <doctor of> defense. <laughs> hey, um, my question is, and I'm gonna say it this way: What is a Bushmaster 55? <laughs> a Bushmaster 55? Uh, Devin yeah. Bush, a phenomenal Yo, beast. <laughs> I got, you know, I gave you guys some stuff, so you need to get with because I got a whole lot of good stuff I can I can share with you. But anyway, Sweet, that's I like that. We'll get back to that later. Hey, um, from a defense from a defensive perspective, if you were on the field right now playing with this guy, what are your comments as a player on the field, not as an analyst, but as a player on the field? What's your comments? Oh man, you're loving it because he's making your life easy. Anytime you're getting a guy who's creating that type of splash for you. As a defender, you just know, hey, as long as I do my job, he's going to cover it up. He's going to make the extra. He's going to make the sweet play. You see how active he is in the run game. That means, okay, when I'm setting the edge as a defender, I don't have to worry about holding this edge for five, six, seven seconds. No, uh-uh. I know I hold my edge. That 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 LB, young Devin, he's shooting the gap. He's going to make that play. And then adversely in the pass game, I know that, hey, 
he is tight in coverage, which means I have more time in my rush. I have more time to get to the quarterback. So those are the things that if you're talking as a player, you love having a young guy like that out there who's so productive. That'll work. That'll work. I appreciate you. Oh, 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 and the most important part is this, too. He likes to have fun. You know, it's after every after every uh, turnover, it's a big celebration. He's sliding and diving in the end zone. Smile on his that, face. That's right up my alley. I'm a big believer. I know people talk about act like you've been there before. This the NFL, baby. You can't take any of this for granted. Everyone is special when you get a turnover. So it, it you just, celebrate like it's the 4th of July. It was his first NFL touchdown, too, so he yeah. hasn't been there before. Well, no, 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 not even a I mean, touchdown, but the – uh, the interception is when he yeah. dove in. Yeah, yeah. I'm with That's right. all of that, man. Celebrate, celebrate, yeah. celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Wes, what do you think about um about our our run, run back game? Uh, we got to get somebody out there, man. Who who would you recommend that we try to uh for you know punts and kickoffs and and things like that? Because right now I understand that, that they're using a, a, a the wide receiver right now. I think they're using him because he's definitely good with his hands. But he's not really running kicks back or running the ball back. What are your comments on that? Yeah, it's actually it's a great question, CR. We've talked a lot about about a lot about the success of the special teams in regards to Chris Boswell hasn't missed a kick yet. He's been perfect on extra points. Jordan Barry's been clutch in the punt game. You saw that in Los Angeles on Sunday night with a great punt to pen the Chargers back deep late. But the one thing on special teams where they really haven't had success is getting any type of splash in the return game on punts or kickoffs. And that hurts even more, I think, when you see Deontay Spencer, who was one of those bubble guys for the Steelers out in Denver making plays in special teams. And yes, I agree with you perfectly, 100% CR. It's nice to have Ryan Switzer back there in regards to you trust him to catch the ball. You don't trust him to put the ball on the ground. You trust him to have the sure hand back there. But other than that, he's not really giving you anything. You're towards the bottom of the league in terms of average returns on punts and kickoffs. I do think you need a little bit more there if you want to really label special teams as an overall success. So, so what are we going to do about that? Man, that's a great question. I don't know. I, I do think, particularly against Miami, if, if we don't start to see something from Switzer soon, I, I do think – that there'll be an opportunity for some other guys in that regard. If it if it's Deontay Johnson, if it's Johnny Holton, if it's maybe somebody else that we're not familiar with that they bring in from the outside, I do think that's a decision they're going to have to make soon, CR. Yeah, I'm with you on that, but I've already given up on Switch as far as being able to make some moves because that's just not in him to make moves like that. I appreciate the fact that he can catch that ball and don't drop it because that's extremely important. But as far as the moves, I don't know. So, hey, guys, uh, I know some other people want to get in out there. So, uh, hey, I appreciate you. Um, looking forward to uh, working with you guys uh, again. And, hey, you know, you got that other information. So, uh, let's hook up on that. In the meantime, in between time, here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Pleasure as always, CR. Yes, with his own theme music and everything. The wow, wow, West. We love it, CR. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the bye week. He's always wilded, man. And no, oh, yeah, he, man. he makes some good points. You know what? It's funny. I actually had in my list of, you know, I have, I, I break down our segments and what you we're going to talk about. You, you, you know, do that? and I still write, look at this. I write it on paper. Are you, you know, talking my about notebooks? Your, like, go green. My man. notebooks? You don't want to go no, green. No, I'm old school. Come All on. Right. I write down what I do. Like, right, we have six segments. We write down what we're going to talk about in each one. We put other notes and stuff on here. But I do always have other things we can hit on, right? In oh, yeah. case we run through some of the stuff too fast. One of them was special teams and how, again, it's, 
you're really happy with Jordan Barry's performance. You're ecstatic. You're over the moon with Chris Boswell and how he's responded and bounced back this year. But the one area, and I should say, too, punt and kickoff coverage have been solid for the Steelers as well, too. Just the one area where they're still leaving some to be desired is that return game. Absolutely, man. You have to find ways to become more effective. Now, granted, this is the issue. Like I said, with Ryan Switzer, he's shorthanded. And that's always the first thing. Possess the ball. Right. That's always number one. That's always number one. The second thing is, okay, now let's get dynamic and make a guy make a play. Deontay Johnson, I think, is more dynamic and would probably thrive in making guys miss. But I don't know from a trust standpoint, I don't know because we we're not out there in practice every day. So we don't know what they've seen in terms of Deontay Johnson versus Ron Swisser that they feel, hey, we can't trust Deontay Johnson back there in the return game right now. But whatever it is, it has to be associated with the catch. And the reason I can tell you is this from personal experiences. I was here when it was uh, Antonio Brown and Eli Rogers. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to take A.B. off of returning punts because obviously he was the number one receiver. He was already having a crazy workload. And you want to avoid some of the injuries that potentially could be associated with returning punts. Hmm. We put Eli Rogers back there and he does fine. But then he muffs one and we actually lose it during the game. We end up losing the game. And from then on, the following week, I remember all of us having that anxiety. Like, is he going to catch it? And he bobbles one. And oh, he drops this one. And then from there, you lose that trust. Right. So you had to go back to A.B. Even though they didn't want to, they had to put him back there. And a lot of times, the decision is always based on who is the sure-handed guy. I don't care who could return the punt better. Who's going to catch it? Because if you don't possess that ball, if you turn the ball over on a punt, that kills you. It breaks your back from a defensive standpoint. You do the work to get off the field. Now you got to go back on an even shorter field. Offensively, obviously, you're losing a possession. I mean, it's nothing good comes from that. So I think that's what we're seeing right now in terms of going with Ryan Switzer versus some of the other options right now. They got Dante Hall highlights rolling here on the NFL Network, man. Oh, they don't make man. returners like Jeez. that anymore. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It, it is nice that you're right. I, you don't worry about Switzer being back there in terms of ball security. It would just nice. It'd be nice to see him make a guy miss and, and add a little positive to that return game as well. One more segment to go on a Friday, Arthur Motes. What's una that mas, mean? Una mas. Show me the money. Show me the money. We got to get the paper. When we come back, it's show me the money. We will get that paper. Spoiler alert. Motes and I both had a winning week last week. Oh. We'll recap where we were right, when we were wrong. We'll make our five picks for this week. No Steelers picks, so we got some bonus action. Bonus. In there for you as well. It's Euler and Motes in for Tunch and Wolf on a Friday in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. We've had some fun this week filling in for Tunch and Wolf. Hopefully you guys have had some fun listening as well, too. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I you know, I feel like sometimes, Motsi, for some of these benchmarks, some of these unique segments that we do, we got to give the Tunch and Wolf audience a little a little precursor here, right? Yeah. A little primer to get them ready. You're talking about a little appetizer. Give them a little, a little appetizer. That's right. So we, food reference. We do this that. thing on Fridays before we get out of here. It's It's got a couple different names. You know, show me the money, get that paper. What's to get the paper. Whatever you want to call it, we go through. And normally what we do is we pick three NFL games, a college football game, and then the Steelers game. So four NFL games in total. One of them being the Steelers. We make five picks. 
against the spread. Sometimes we do point over and under things like that. We keep track of our record throughout the year. We let you know where we were right or wrong the previous week. So I mentioned it there. We both went three and two last week. All right. We both had the Steelers plus six and a half against the Chargers. Easy money there. They won money line, Mozi. Easy money. We also both had Seattle minus one and a half against those frauds in Cleveland. Can't believe them. And their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who once again has tested positive for being overrated. I'm so dangerous. Keep that same energy, bro. We were both wrong about the Cowboys. We had the Cowboys minus seven against the Jets. The I Jets, knew I should have went with Levy. I, I know. Dog. And Sam Darnold, I tell you what, he's pretty good, huh? It won't get me twice. So we both lost that. And then where we split was I had Texas plus 11 and a half points in the Red River. Red, Red zone Red, turnovers. God. Red River rivalry against Oklahoma. Moats had the Sooners minus 11 and a half. So I get the dub there. And then Moats had the Houston Texans plus four. He didn't even need the points <laughs> as Houston wins. And I had Kansas City minus four. So three and two for both of us last week on the year. Motsy, where's that put us? 18 and 12 for yours truly, 17 and 13 for the uh, opposition. One game still separating Winners us. Winners win, and through, people that don't win, they through six weeks. the other people. You know. Hey, listen, though. I'm like Coach Tomlin, and I'm like the Steelers. I mean, you know, my record's well, all right. Actually, I got a winning not, record not in the beginning of the not, year. Now that I think about it, you're, you're not like Coach Tomlin. What you talking about? You, you started out hot last year. And then when I came on at the Last end, year, I did start out hot. That's right. You got That's cold true. at the end of the year, and I got hot. I heated up. That's true. That's what I'm just saying, man. Well, right now, all the people need to know. Because, again, you know, you're, you're only as good as your last performance, remember? We both had a winning week at 3-2 and two last week. Motsi's got me by one game for six weeks. So that means I'm weeks. a winner? Yeah, 17 and 13. So you're seeking comfort? You talk talk to Pirates you, fans out there and ask them if 17 and 13 is a winner. Do you want a participation trophy? Is that what you want right now? Well, you want the trophy halfway through the year here? Hey, I'm just saying it's midseason awards. Hey. <laughs> you know? We're at the bye week. We're evaluating the situation. You know, when I was growing up in Sunday school, they always told me God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So Absolutely. So I'm just, I'm just going to stay humble here, and we'll see how hey, things man, shake out you, by the end of the year. You call it whatever you want to call it, man. All I know is the facts say I'm winning and you're losing. You know what we call it? Show me the money. <laughs> Show me the money. Show me the money! It's only right when that bed comes on. Oh. I feel like I have to have a game that involves the Raiders every week. The energy. Oh. Hold on, sorry, not the Raiders. The Green Bay Packers. They've done me well this entire season. The Oakland Raiders, they have not. Very true. So it's a clash of ideals here, but the Packers are at home at Lambeau Field against the Raiders. They needed some help on Thursday night from the Zebras to get out of Lambeau with a win, but a long week. For them, and you've had a Raiders team now coming off a bye from London, haven't played in a while. The Packers get extra time to prepare. Devontae Adams gets healthier. I, I think the Packers, minus five, they cover against the Raiders. They don't blow them out, but they win by nine points. Give me the Packers, minus five. All right, well, you know what? Let's hop right into the disagreement game. Uh-oh. I'm rolling with, is it Raiders? I love it. Is it Raiders? And you know why? Because I don't believe in Aaron Rodgers right now. He's been very fraud-like. Now, I do like the fact that Mike Patton, my old DC up in Buffalo, has had that Packers defense playing phenomenal. They're humming. They are. But with that being said, I don't think the Packers are going to score enough to win by plus five. 
I don't I've, see it. I've got the Packers minus five. Motsi takes the Raiders and gets five Give points. Give me the Raiders. A lot of points on the line this week in Washington, in D.C., in the nation's capital, where suddenly they've got baseball fever. Woo. The Niners traveling across coast. We know Woo. how that works out for these teams. Hey. To take on the Redskins, the Niners are favored by nine points. It's oh. a lot of points, Motsi. That's a lot of bad, though. But I don't. <laughs> I, I do not believe in Washington Redskins. I don't know what they're doing at the quarterback situation. They're a mess organizationally. Give me the Niners minus nine. Yeah, my good friend, I definitely have to agree with you on that one. The Skins, uh-uh, I just don't. I'm not feeling them. My young boy Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Wallace over there. But other than him, I don't like that team at all. I don't like their colors personally. It just eh, doesn't really rub me the right way. Really? Yeah, I'm just not really growing into up. That. In, so growing up in Virginia, you weren't a Redskins guy, right? Cowboys, you kind of like the Cowboys. I was a Cowboys that's fan. right. Heavy, absolutely. So for me, man, I'm gonna have to roll with the Niners. The Niners' record is what it is. They're finding ways to be productive. They're finding ways to win. And I will say this to the Redskins: the Niners have done better teams worse. So with that being said, I'm rolling with them, baby. The Los Angeles Rams. Is it Los Angeles? Travel down to Hotlanta. ATL shot Okay, okay. They're favored by three points mm. against the Falcons. Okay. They've got that new fancy tool in their in Ooh. their toolbox. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey making the trip with them. He's gonna play. All right, come on. Oh, hey, that back looked really good. <laughs> Full participant. Interesting. Atlanta, we know that they are much better at home in the Dome, at the Mercedes Dome, in their fancy stadium than they are going on the road. All the bells and whistles, even though they don't have Chick-fil-A on Sundays. But I I would call that defense a Big 12 defense in Atlanta, but that would be insulting to the Big 12 defenses. So bad down there. The Rams go down there. They don't blow them out. They win by six, seven points, something like that. Give me the Los Angeles Rams minus three in Atlanta. I'm buying heavy on the Jalen Ramsey impact. I think that he sets off one side of the field. And ultimately, man, the Rams offense continues to ball. Now, I don't know how much we're going to see of Tiger. In fact, I don't think Tiger is going to play with yeah. the, uh, the leg injury. Yeah. But even with that, I think this wide receiver group is more than talented enough. I think that uh, the puppet, Jared Goff, can listen well. And I think Sean McVay is going to do more than enough to cover. So give me the Rams plus three. Uh, two college games this week. A little bonus for you. Oregon at Washington. Oh, man. Top 25 Pac-12 matchup. I hate Pac-12 teams. Oh, man. Uh, Historically, until about, what, four or five years ago, Oregon owned Washington. I think that's starting to come back around. Pac-12 Give me the Ducks. Quack, 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 quack. Minus two and a half in Seattle against the Huskies. Fair enough. Okay, so you got Ducks. I like their outfit, but it's in Seattle. (sighs) Ah. I like the uniforms. Give me Oregon. I, I I hate Pac-12 football. I don't trust anything about the Pac-12. You like SEC football? I love SEC football. Let's go down to South Carolina. They're feeling good in Gamecock land, Motsi, after a big win against the Georgia Bulldogs at Georgia last week. But the Florida Gators are rolling to town, and they're ticked off about that loss to LSU. Uh-oh. Florida's favored by five points. I think they rebound nicely, while I think South Carolina's maybe smelling the roses a little bit Ooh, too much. Okay. Give me the Gators minus five okay. in Columbia. I like that. Well, you know what they say when you're playing against Florida is Gator bait. So, with that being said, man, I have to roll with the Gamecocks? What? I don't think it's going to be a hangover. I think they continue to shock the world and get another big SEC win back-to-back weeks, baby. Give me South Carolina plus five. 
So to recap, I've got the Packers minus five. Moats has the Raiders plus five. We've both got the Niners minus nine in D.C. We've both got the Rams minus three in Atlanta. College ranks, we've both got Oregon minus two and a half in Seattle against the Huskies. And I'll take the Gators minus five. Moats will take the game clock. Gamecocks plus five. That'll do it for your get that paper for week six. We'll recap it all next week. Join us, for those of you unfamiliar with the show, SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. You can find Moats and I there on Steelers Blitz inside the Electric Factory every day at noon. Keep it locked on SNR for our young guys, Kellen and Tom, coming up next. you got the godfather here, as always, on ESPN Pittsburgh. Big thanks to our guy Greg for producing the program today for us. Thanks to everybody who called in and chimed in as well. Enjoy the bye week, everybody, all right? No stress. Do something with the family, and we'll talk the ends next week. As always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio. Your 20. 20-